Why don't you open your Bibles, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps or whatever you're using, and uh, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 20 today, and we're going to go from verse 20 to 24. Uh, we have been studying miracles with meaning, We and, and some of the central ideas uh, we, is that we remember that the miracles of Jesus have an immediate uh, impact in the moment. They have an impact in the moment that we must be confronted by. We must feel the force, the shock, the awe, the wonder of that moment in, if we are going to properly respond to it uh, in the long term. We can't just, we can't skip the miracle and make it a metaphor or we'll miss it. So we have to respond to these as a real miracle. But we recognize that having, that though they have a, they have an immediate impact they have, they have an ongoing meaning, an ongoing significance, if you will. There is a significance to each miracle, but also to the doing of these miracles. There's a, there is an ongoing, there is an, um, uh, 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 an overarching significance that heaven intends absolutely for us to hear. Now, some of the meaning that we have seen in these miracles, as you remember, specifically if we've looked at Matthew chapter 8 and 9 and part of 10, we have seen the compassion of Jesus. And really, we have seen the, com the compassion of Jesus exercised, all of this is exercised, what, we've, what Matthew has really underscored is the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus is exercised in compassion and in tenderness and in mercy and all those kinds of things. But in all of it, this is the authority of Jesus. So, that might, so that's why we have kind of arrived at this summary of Matthew wants us to see a big Jesus. That big Jesus will lead to big faith. That big Jesus leads to a sense of big mission, right? And so when we've said the authority of Jesus means big Jesus, we mean that Jesus is able. We mean that we respond to Jesus by saying, Lord, I believe you are able to do this. That's big faith. It's just, it's just a, a response to, this, to the size of our Jesus. It also means we just say, and, 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 and we mean Jesus is greater than that. No matter what that is, Jesus is greater than that. Jesus is big. He is able. He is greater than. And last week we emphasized that the miracle that the miracles of Jesus signify, testify that Jesus is the one. Meaning that that the miracles, his healing, that healing is the sign that his kingdom has come. The sign of his kingdom is healing. It means he is the one. All of Jesus's miracles matter in the moment. In the moment, they matter. Every miracle matters to the one who's receiving it. But if, if I could say it this way, healing is, is even more important. It matters even more than the need of the person being healed. Because all of his miracles... Healing testifies to something more significant, his kingdom. They testify to heaven. They testify to eternal life. They testify to eternity. The miracles of Jesus say to us that eternity is real and is trying to get your attention. We should therefore respond to miracles, respond to healing, yes, with immediate gratitude and rejoicing for the, for the compassion of God and the person who just experienced the kindness of God, absolutely. But, but then we also must continue to respond by turning our hearts and our minds and our affections to the miracle worker 
We must, res- when in, in response to healing and to miracles, our response must be to turn our trust to the Lord Jesus, to put our hope in the Lord Jesus, to, to, put, our, to, our, to put our eyes and our affections on, on heaven, on the age to come, to live, to trust and obey Jesus. In other words, the response to healing, the response to miracles must ultimately be repent. If we, if we appreciate the moment of the miracle, but we neglect the meaning of the miracles, the truth is, we will be worse off than before. Yeah. That's from the very words of Jesus. Look with me today in our passage, beginning Matthew chapter 11, picking it up at verse 20. Are you ready? I'm reading from the, some people still ask me, I'm reading from the New International Version. Here we go. Then Jesus, this is after he had sent out his disciples, after he talked about John the Baptist and people's response to John the Baptist. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed. Because they did not repent. Here's what he said, verse 21. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No. You will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Y'all remember what happened to Sodom? Uh, But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Here is the deal. The meaning that we cannot afford to miss from the miracles of Jesus is repent. Verse 20, listen to how this, if you try to read this slowly and let this shock you a little bit. I've become more and more convinced that there isn't a single sentence in scripture that shouldn't inspire shock and awe. And if somehow we're able to read it and go, yep, been there, done that, got the chips, got the t-shirt, got the mug, bibbidi-bop, bibbidi-bop, I think we're missing the Bible. I think we need to say, Lord, open my eyes, because there's just one of these books. There's just one Bible, and it's just powerful. So listen to this. Then Jesus began to, to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles were performed. Depending on the translation, you might say his, most of his miracles or his greatest miracles. The idea is there's a significance. Whether they were the greatest miracles or the greatest amount of miracles, it doesn't really matter. The point is, they didn't repent. But the question that I have after reading that is, wait a minute. Capernaum we know. We've heard of Capernaum. And Beth, Bethsaida, we've heard a little bit of, but we, but, we don't read about, but we don't read about any stories in Bethsaida. And Chorazon, what? 
That sounds like in, in me, in, in me corazon is, that sounds like a Spanish word for heart, but or corazon. What in the world? Say, Dad, why are you freaking out? We've never heard of miracles being done in Chorazin or Bethsaida. They're not in Matthew chapter 8 or 9, not specifically labeled. What we do have in Matthew 4 and in Matthew 9 is, and Jesus went through all the towns and villages, all the towns and villages, come on, in Galilee, throughout the whole region, twice it said, and preaching and teaching in their synagogues and healing all sickness and all disease. So it's because that's so big and so generic, it's, it's tempting to look at that and go, well, I guess, I guess that must have been like a, a little bit of seasoning. It's easier for, easiest for us to think that maybe it was localized and minimal or because it's just one sentence, you know, there's, there's whole paragraphs about build your house on the rock, but just one little sentence. So it's easy to respond to that and go, well, I guess that must, have, that must, maybe that's not as big of a deal. But Matthew says it in a comprehensive way, intending to, for us to understand that Jesus was doing these miracles which were primarily healing and deliverance, okay? A few examples of calming the waves and feeding folk, but that comes later. But primarily he is healing the sick and driving out demons. Primarily that's what he's doing, which all, which in Jewish thought all, is all pretty much encompassed by the word healing, okay? That's what Peter said in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And Jesus, went, and Jesus uh, God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. So healing encompasses the entirety of, of, of delivering and restoring people because healing is the sign of the kingdom and that's what the kingdom represents and that's what's going to ultimately happen in the new creation. The devil gets thrown into the pit and we're made, made new forever. Hallelujah. That's why healing is the sign, the signal, the call of the age to come. Hallelujah. So, but, but the point is, Matthew says he denounces these towns where many or most of his greater miracles were done. Hey, wait a minute. We've never heard of any miracles in these cities. Dad, what's your point? I want us to consider just how generous Jesus is. Jesus did way more miracles than are recorded. These are only a small sample these are these are not examples to restrict. These are not here to restrict our understanding of the miraculous nature of Jesus, but to but to exemplify the generous nature of the miraculous nature of Jesus. Just what we're trying to say is Jesus was a he's the way maker, he's the miracle worker. He did them far and wide. He did more miracles than we read about in the scripture. There's a lot more. So the idea is Jesus is super generous. And furthermore, you and I have to come to grips with just how essential, how central, how non-negotiable healing is to the gospel. Right. He didn't also heal. He, didn't, he wasn't just a good teacher who sometimes healed. Healing was the sign of his kingdom. It was central to what he did. And it remains central to the gospel. Not just, not just for compassion's sake, which is terrific. Compassion is a great reason. People need to be healed. People came to, people thronged to Jesus because they need to be healed. Not because they thought, well, you know, this is a sign of the kingdom. They came because they need to be healed. But now the reflection, the response is, hey, healing tells us we need a power outside of ourselves to make us right. And that there is a power outside of ourselves that will eventually make everything 
right. Therefore, repent. This is why, on one hand, we must never cease ringing the bell. Healing is the dinner bell of salvation. We must never cease ringing the bell. Ring the bell. What's our answer to everything? We ring the bell. The, the gospel of the kingdom is a healing gospel. Jesus came to make all things new. And in the meantime, he is going to make you new and make me new. And, and make things new in our life and in your hearts and in your home. Every time he makes something new, it testifies that he is the one who will make all things new. And if you think it's difficult for me to, I mean, sitting down, I've been sitting down talking to you for two months. <laughs> but this is also why healing demands a full response. It must lead to repentance. It must. Because Jesus denounces these cities because they did not repent. You can't earn healing, but we must respond to it. These cities, these regions in Galilee, they experienced great grace. Eternity reached out to them in compassion and power, but they refused to repent. They might have been glad to be healed. They might have been thrilled to get some fish and chips but they didn't repent. So Jesus says, verse 21, listen, Woe to you, Chorazon! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Tyre and Sidon were coastal cities. If you're looking at a map, it kind of it's up along the Mediterranean, would be north and I suppose west. Of, uh, of Galilee area. And Tyre and Zidon were ancient cities that were regularly whipped on by the, by the Old Testament prophets. They had, they had been torn down and rebuilt. Uh, they were irreligious. They were immoral. Uh, and, uh, and the prophets spoke against them. You can find that in Isaiah 23, uh, Ezekiel chapters 26 through 28, Amos chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. The prophets spoke against Tyre and Zidon and they were, they were object of, objects of God's God's judgment. But Jesus said that, that if those cities had experienced these miracles, they would have repented. And they would have repented robustly with sackcloth and ashes. They would have the sign. See, it's interesting. Healing is supposed to ge generate that kind of response. Not that you're sad that you got healed, but you're, you're suddenly made aware that healing is a sign. You needed healing. You need forgiveness. And there is a forgiver. There is a way maker. There is a power that is above and beyond politic or money or material or military. There is a power from heaven to which all of us must, must, must surrender, be thankful for, and trust in. That's repentance. Verse 22, Jesus says, they would, not only would they have repented long ago, but then he says this, verse 22, But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Jesus turns uh, the focus to the final judgment. Healing is connected to that. How they responded to his healing miracles is going to, is going to matter at the final judgment. That, that, that Chorazan and Bethsaida, 
they will. He actually says this. This is this is interesting. Lean into this and let let this bother you a little bit. Uh, they will bear greater and more unbearable judgment because they did not respond because they did not repent in response to the miracles of Jesus. Their judgment, their their experience of judgment will actually be worse than these immoral and irreligious cities. Say it again, friends. Eternity is real and is trying to get our attention. Jesus isn't done yet. Verse 23. Jesus is really talking a lot like some of our uh, our Old Testament prophet friends. But uh, verse 23, he says, uh, And you... Capernaum. And you, Capernaum. I mean, the other guys were one thing. But you, Capernaum. Where Jesus, Jesus' is home base, where he may have even had his own house, according to some people, where this is where Peter's mother-in-law is. This is where he calls the fishermen. This is where he's hanging out. This is his, this is his he keeps returning here. He does great miracles here. All the things that we have seen. Capernaum, you know, dig a hole in the roof, lower the guy down, all that kind of stuff. Here we are, Capernaum. He says, and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Some say Capernaum must have had a great self-image. They must have thought they were, they must have had a high opinion of themselves. That's possible. But for whatever reason, Jesus said, will you be lifted up to the heavens? It's either because they thought they should be lifted. With Jesus, with Jesus, the matchless Son of God, the great I Am, made his home base in one city on earth. For a time, you could argue that Capernaum was the most favored place on the planet. It, it, you could argue that Capernaum may have experienced some of the greatest graces ever. Literally, it was a place that, that, that could or could or should have been lifted. It was so blessed that the Son of God is there doing his thing. It could have been lifted up into the heavens. But he said, will you be lifted up into the heavens? No. They, didn't, they did not repent. So Jesus says, you're going to hell. Because, then Jesus says, He says, even Sodom would have repented at the miracles that were done in Capernaum. But he said, it will be more bearable for Sodom. Sodom will have a better experience of judgment than you will, Capernaum. Can you imagine? Sodom's wickedness is unsurpassed in biblical history. We don't need to talk about the fact that everybody knows Sodom bad. the practices, the immorality, all of that stuff. But, according to Jesus, to reject grace, to experience grace and and reject it is an even greater offense. And they will be held accountable for it at judgment. Okay. Okay. So what do we learn here? Uh, What warning, what encouragement do we derive from these short passages? (laughs) I'll say it again. Eternity is real and is trying to get our attention. Usually, uh, 
we've, as we, as we, as we went through the book of Revelation, we, we, we tended to see that we thought it's easy to assume, hey, when heaven is trying to get our attention, when heaven is trying to get earth's attention, the default is what? Usually people think, well, heaven is trying to get our attention through judgment. Well, because 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 there that's what happens in the book of Revelation. There are there are measured measured judgments, not in total. They are all measured judgments because they are they are all a hint of final judgment, right? So we have measured judgments throughout throughout the timeline and the history of the earth through, throughout redemptive history, and the aim of those measured judgments that are only a portion, only a foreshadow, only a hint of the judgment to come, are intended to get mankind to repent. So we think, oh, if heaven's trying to get our attention, it's trying to get our attention through judgment. But the truth is, heaven is trying to get our attention through healing. Healing is the first bell. Healing is the real bell. But healing is also, in the same way, it is just a measured foretaste of the final healing, the final new creation, the making of all things new. And just like, and so in the same way, we experience temporary, short-term, measured experiences of heaven so that we will turn our hearts to heaven in trusting obedience. And that's the dinner bell. Yeah. Heaven is trying to get our attention. Healing from heaven is meant to draw our hope and our trust and our obedience that way. Therefore, we'll say it again, healing must be central to our, as central to our ministry as it was to Christ's. We will keep ringing the bell. You might want to say it with me. We've got to keep ringing the bell. We've got to keep ringing it. Because, pe- because people need to be healed, because Jesus wants to heal people, and because heaven is trying to get their attention. But we must also repent or there will be a different bell that rings with a different tone. Now, I want us to consider this. Let me stretch this out a little bit. I want you to consider the the- some of the theology that, that is, seems to be present in this text, the very words of Jesus. According to the implications, without Without repentance, Jesus says, a whole city can suffer. Jesus said those cities will face judgment. Now, he meant final judgment. But their refusal to repent may also have included more immediate consequences. And that's the way, that's the way eternity works in our life. There's there are visitations, there are experiences now that to warn us or to encourage us of what is to come. So Jesus says it's going to be worse for you at judgment, but the truth is we can look and say there may have been even more immediate consequences, more immediate experiences or even warnings uh, of their failure or their refusal to repent. Because uh, I want you to consider that these towns, Capernaum, Bethsaida, Chorazin, Galilee as a whole, consider that Jesus... That Isaiah 9 says, Galilee, you're gonna, you're gonna, a light's gonna come to you. It's Jesus is coming, right? Isaiah 9. Jesus spent so much time in Capernaum. But I want you to consider that the towns of Capernaum are nowhere again mentioned in the New Testament after Christ's resurrection. Jesus spent so much time there, his home there. Peter is from there, but you won't find any activity in Galilee in the book of Acts. I mean, Peter's from there, but he never goes back. 
Pull up your maps. Look at the ministry of everybody. Nobody goes back. There are no epistles. Wouldn't you think there would be great, thriving churches? No epistles to any churches in Galilee. Now, this is an argument from silence, so we have to be careful drawing absolute conclusions. But the silence in this case is deafening. No epistles. No, no mention of these churches in the book of Revelation and the seven churches from John, that John writes to. No mention. Galilee is never mentioned again. To, to be so central in the ministry of Jesus and then never to be talked about again. Even, as, even archaeologically, the ruins of these cities are harder to find. It's easier to find the ruins of Tyre and Sidon than it is to find the ruins and the structure, the archaeology of these cities in Galilee. Friends, the truth is throughout history that, that great cities and great regions have experienced outpourings of God's gracious spirit. Even in the United States, if you read through the, 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 the revivals that occurred in the, in, the, in the 30s and 40s and 50s, some of our, our nation's greatest cities experienced incredible outpourings of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders and miracles, healing. Uh, cities on the eastern and western seaboard, uh, cities in the Midwest, powerful. And yet, those that did not uh, re respond with repentance, those very cities and regions around the world have become bastions of every kind of wickedness. Taking it further, friends, there are churches and denominations that once enjoyed powerful grace that are either empty or they're full of compromise and carnality, and they are sick and dying. But the real warning is that without repentance, there is only great and horrible judgment. That sounds gloom. It's, it is intended to sound that way. Like, there isn't a good option or a, there is no good result of not repenting. Right. To not repent leads to bad now and worse later. Yeah. But there is a solution. There is hope. There is encouragement. There is excitement. Uh, yeah. Which is what? Repentance. Repentance is not only the proper response to grace repentance is a magnet for it if I said if I said that heaven is a sucker for repentance would you be mad at me would you say how dare you say that you know what I mean I would never say anything uh, disrespectful or blasphemous but I'm trying to make a point that heaven is 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 almost irresistibly drawn to repentance. Wow. The Lord has such delight in our humility and our honesty before him and our, our desire to turn away from wickedness. He, heaven is so drawn to the heart that reaches toward heaven first. Draw near to God and he will draw nigh unto you. That's what the Bible says. There's such a promise. There's an, it, there's a, there is an unbreakable promise that heaven is leaning in, that the, that the heart of Jesus Christ, the ears of Christ are leaning in and listening. He's already taken the initiative. That's the point. He's not waiting for us to make the first move. Repentance is a response to the grace given to us. Hallelujah. Yeah. So repentance is not only a response to grace, it is a magnet for it. It is a magnet for more grace. 
Repentance now will lead to more grace to come. In the in the in the immediate future, and ultimately, it will lead to the great and unmeasured, totally unmeasured, eternal grace that will be revealed at the final judgment. If we repent, it starts good now and only gets better. Yes, <laughs> There's grace now and more grace to come. Yeah. So we must always ring the bell. With every grace that is manifest in our midst, uh, we should ring the bell. Yeah. We, should never, we, we should ring the bell of healing, and yet we must never fail. Having rung the bell of healing, we must never fail to call for repentance lest we ourselves invite great woe. You know, friends, I, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for a, a message like this because I've lived most of my life loving and longing for the ministry of healing. And I, I'm glad to, and I'm glad to see how that it's even more significant than people need to be healed. Its significance is it's a sign of the kingdom. But I'm also thankful to be warned by Jesus himself that healing should never be presented and left alone. That it's a sign of the kingdom and it must be accompanied with an invitation. You must, we must enjoin people to respond to the message, to the significance of what we're talking about. So what about you and I today? Do you need to repent in response to the grace that you've received? Do you stop to consider how eternity has been trying to get your attention? Eternity may very well be trying to get your attention. It maybe have been trying to get your attention. Have you responded? Have you responded to the grace that you've received? Right now, I encourage you to do so. I encourage all of us to repent even in anticipation of greater grace to come. That you and I today would turn our hearts and turn our mind and turn our trust, turn our obedience to heaven because of the grace that heaven has extended to us and an anticipation and in hope of grace yet still to come our way. Greater grace still to come. And mostly today, mostly today, would you remember just how generous Jesus is. Remember how generous Jesus is. He is your healer. If you have in any way measured the healing of Jesus as incidental, unique, we need to know this. Healing is not only normal, it's essential. I just heard from Jesus. He said, healing happens to be essential. Your healing today is essential to Jesus. So Lord, I, we believe that you're our healer today. We thank you for the generosity of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you're such a great healer that the words of Scripture don't even try to contain all that you've done. So, Lord, in your generosity and your great largesse, would you pour out graces of healing upon your people today? 
Lord, we read in the Bible of great miracles, and yet what Jesus seemed to indicate here is that even greater works were done that we weren't even told about. So, Lord, there literally is nothing impossible for you. So, Lord, where there is pain, where there is need, where there is concern, Lord, for the sake of those who are hurting, bring healing. And, Lord, not only for the sake of those who need healing, but, Lord, as a sign of your kingdom today. Heal. Let healing flow today for the sake of those who need it and for because it is a sign, as a sign of your kingdom. Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done today on earth as it is in heaven. And we will be careful to respond to eternity as it is trying to get our attention. There's no limit to how he wants to heal. If it's broken, it's a candidate for his kingdom. Jesus, be our healer. For the sake of those who need healing, and for the sign of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. From our house to your house. <laughs> From our house to your house. All of our love. All of our hope. God bless you.